I always like to say, if you read a hundred business books and you apply everything in all hundred business books, you will be out of business in a month. So the point is there's a ton of great information out there. Your family and friends are giving you lots of feedback. You're selling stuff to your customers and clients and getting their feedback. If you do all of it, you'll be out of business. And so you've got to glean from your vision, your core values, where you're going, what works best for your vision. Hey everyone, I'm Cal and welcome to the Intentional Leader Podcast where we are passionate about studying self-leadership to help you reach your God-given potential and lead at your best so that you can make your highest impact. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's go make it count. Well, hello everyone and welcome to episode 88 of the Intentional Leader Podcast. It's Cal here and I'm so thankful that you're joining us today on the podcast. Have you ever wondered whether you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Well, today's guest, Gino Wickman, is going to tell us all about entrepreneurship, and I think you're going to love this fascinating conversation. And I want to publicly thank Ryan Hawk for connecting me with Gino. Ryan continues to be such a wonderful mentor to me in the podcast space, and I appreciate this connection. When I first started this podcast about three years ago, I didn't know what to expect. I knew that I was passionate about leadership. I knew I was passionate about living intentionally. I had a commute about an hour every day and I, I consumed book after book. I consumed podcast after podcast. And over time, I just really wanted to share with others what I was learning. And so I started this podcast hoping to help just one other person. And uh, over time, more and more leaders have been coming to this podcast. We've been growing month after month, year after year. And I'm just amazed at how many leaders we're able to speak to every, every week, which is just still blows my mind. So anyway, in January of 2021, I decided to bring on a team to help me. And when I brought on this team, I noticed that three, four of my team members kept mentioning this thing called EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System. And as I started to talk to people about EOS, I realized this is huge. Thousands and thousands of companies around the world are using EOS. Well, today's guest, Gino Wickman, is the founder of EOS. So this is so cool to talk to Gino about his story of being an entrepreneur. I'll tell you a little bit more about Gino in just a second. Before we jump in, I wanna give you something. Over the past several years, we have interviewed some amazing leaders, and we took some time to put together this 12-page PDF with some of the biggest takeaways from our best interviews over the last several years. People like Carrie Newhoff, Patrick Lincioni, Juliet Font, generals like General Joseph Votel, General Pat Work, John Gordon, the amazing Horst Schultze, who was the founder of Ritz Carlton. So a lot of these amazing guests that have just shared wonderful wisdom and insights, we wanted to take that and distill it into 12 key ideas from each of those interviews. And we put that in a PDF. So just go to intentionalleader.org. I want to give this to you. I hope that it is a way that you can take some of these key interviews and download them into your daily life. You could take 12 days and devote one day to each of these interviews, each of these ideas. So go to intentionalleader.org to download this, this free PDF. I'm so pumped to have Gino on today. Gino is the founder of EOS Worldwide, which is an organization that helps tens of thousands of businesses implement EOS. He's the author of the award-winning best-selling book, Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business, which has sold over 1 million copies. 
And Gino is now devoting his time and energy towards helping entrepreneurs in the making get a huge jump start on taking their entrepreneurial leap. He wrote a book that we discussed called Entrepreneurial Leap, and his mission now is to find all the entrepreneurs in the making at any age, people that are listening today, wherever you are, and help them realize their purpose and live the life that they were born to live. So this was a really fascinating discussion. We discussed how he discovered that he was an entrepreneur, the six essential qualities of any entrepreneur, why he thinks that being an entrepreneur is a lot more nature than it is nurture. We get into that. We talk about the keys to casting a vision, how he deals with critics early on and as an entrepreneur. If you're gonna start something and try something that's not been done before, you're gonna have critics. Some of his biggest failures, he gets very vulnerable about some of his struggles. He talks about self-discovery and the importance of starting that early and much more. This was a really interesting and fun interview. And this episode is brought to you by Higher Echelon Incorporated. Higher Echelon is a leadership development and organizational performance consulting firm providing human capital and technology services to optimize performance. Higher Echelon can help prepare your organization to meet the rapidly changing complex and often ambiguous requirements of today's world by developing resilient and adaptive leaders, helping you modernize your systems and helping you implement transformational technology solutions. Just go visit Higher Echelon to connect with the amazing team over at Higher Echelon and figure out how they can help you and your team today. And if you get value out of today's episode, would you please share it with someone in your network? Also, thank you to all of you who continue to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those of you I saw you that went and rated us on Spotify. I just learned that Spotify has ratings and reviews. So thank you to all of you Spotify listeners who took a few minutes and rated it on Spotify. I really appreciate that. I read all of the reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's always so encouraging to hear from listeners who listen. I appreciate the direct feedback. Also, feel free to email me at calwalters.me. It's a great way for me to connect. So without any further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Gino Wickman. All right, Gino, welcome to the podcast. I've been really looking forward to this for a while. So thanks for doing this. My pleasure, Cal. I'm looking forward to this as well, and I'm hoping we're going to help a lot of people today. We definitely will. And you've been helping a lot of people for a long time. I want to start by asking you about your best mentor, your dad, Floyd, um, who my understanding, and I want to get your take on this, but my understanding is he is an entrepreneur, was an entrepreneur. Um, But tell us a little bit about him and maybe what you observed from him about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Wow. Great. I love starting here. Wasn't expecting to talk about dad. So he is definitely my greatest uh, entrepreneur or my greatest mentor and uh, was very much an entrepreneur. Um, There's a video that I shot called the 10 greatest lessons. I'm not going to get into the 10 greatest lessons here. So so we'll put links to that. Yeah, we'll put links to that because I I really enjoyed that. I appreciate that because that's I, I just love him to death. He's 80 now, and so he's pretty much retired, but he's just as energetic and itchy as ever, so he keeps kind of tinkering a little bit. Um, So uh, very much an entrepreneur. So there's so many things I learned from him, but what I describe him as is I had two amazing entrepreneurs in my 20s that shaped my life. Sam Cup is the other, and he is a man who built his companies to 300 million, and so I consider him kind of my business mentor. What I consider my dad is my dad is my people mentor. He taught me how to communicate and lead people 
whether it was one or 1,000. So I can stand in front of an audience of 1,000 and communicate my message, or I can sit one-on-one with a direct report and communicate my message. He is an incredible leader, communicator, speaker, and, and, and an incredible entrepreneur. And, and so he built uh, an empire in the real estate industry, a sales training organization in the real estate industry. And so I took that business over, did a turnaround, because unfortunately it kind of took a turn for the worst. And in that turnaround and running that company for seven years, there's a concept I teach called the visionary integrator concept. Well, he's the original visionary. He is a text book visionary. But in a nutshell, what I learned from him, the number one lesson is how to communicate to one or 1,000. And uh, he uh, changed my life with that teaching. So when was the first time that you realized that you were an entrepreneur? For me, it became abundantly clear at 29. So that was kind of the magic age where all the pieces came together. Um, I was exhibiting entrepreneurial traits in my teens. I did entrepreneurial stuff all through my late teens and early 20s. The word entrepreneur started floating around in my mid-20s. When I took over the family business, I got involved in the entrepreneur's organization. And so I was in an organization as an entrepreneur, but still wasn't fully calling myself that. And so it's like at 29, something clicked. It was right around when we sold the business. I realized why I was put on the face of this earth. And at 31, that's when I set off to start to create what is now EOS and EOS Worldwide. So what, what was that moment at 29? Was there a specific moment or was it kind of a, an inflection point over yeah, time? It was, it, 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 I mean, literally, it was a coming together of a bunch of stuff. And again, I called myself that, flirted with that years before, but it was a combination of three things is the way I describe it. It was running the family business and realizing I was a visionary. So I mustered up the ability to be an integrator because I'm one of the one out of 20 that can do both. But when I really saw clearly what I was, I was like, ah, this integrator stuff, I don't want to do this long term. I want to be a visionary. Number two, it was being in the entrepreneur's organization and seeing this whole world of opportunity out there and the need that entrepreneurs had and how screwed up they all were and how I felt I could help them. And then number three was being in the strategic coach program and going through Dan Sullivan's process of discovering my unique ability. And, and so, you know, what I then realized is I was spending 5% of my working time really doing what my genetic encoding is, why God put me on this earth. And the other 95% was stuff I just wasn't great at doing. And so it was right around, you know, in, at 29, when those three intersecting points were just so crystal clear. And I said, I got to move on. And uh, that's a whole nother story how we, I ultimately moved on and we sold, but it's all worked out incredibly well. So this is, so I want to ask you about nature versus nurture when it comes to entrepreneurial qualities, because I hear, so we just talked a little bit about your story. Hearing that, it'd be easy to think, okay, Gino grew up watching his dad, who was this amazing entrepreneur, and, and he picked it up from his dad. But in your book, you talk about how it's a lot more nature than it is nurture. Tell us about that and kind of how you came to that conclusion. Yeah, well, I definitely didn't pick it up from my dad because it was in me uh, at a very early age. And so I I have a very strong belief, and it's just my belief, and it's 
three decades of working with thousands of entrepreneurs, and certainly all of those entrepreneurs agreeing with me, uh, and everything we're going to talk about with this content, there's no theory. It's all real world experience. And so, you know, what I've discovered is there are six essential traits that every entrepreneur has. It's almost like scientific now. And, and these six essential traits show up very early on. And, and for some people, they're discovered later in life because somehow they were quashed due to their upbringing. And others are in an environment where they just flourish. And so they're doing lemonade stands at five and paper routes at when there were paper routes, I don't think there are anymore, at 12 <laughs> and selling T-shirts and whatever. Uh, and then in high school and college selling stuff. So you're always exhibiting these traits. Um, so I'll quickly share the six essential traits and I want to use one as an example for the conversation we're having. Uh, so the six essential traits are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And if you have those six essential traits, that's what this book is all about, is helping you to confirm that you have them, then showing you a glimpse, then showing you a path for how to be successful. But we first have to confirm you have them. Um, and so with that, let's talk about responsible because that's the one that's most fun because number one, it always surprises people. The, the first three, they just, I'm sorry, the first five, they just make so much sense. And then you get hit with the sixth one, it's like responsible. So, but let's pretend I'm right and responsible is one of the essential traits. Um, you have to be a responsible person to be a great entrepreneur. And when we talk about responsible and nature over nurture and being born with this, you know, think about families and let's just talk about a family with four kids and think about your your family members, your friends, the people in your life. You can put everybody in the world into two categories. Half of them take responsibility and half of them take no responsibility. And I love sharing this because I can see it on your face. You're thinking of all the people and you're just quickly putting them into those two buckets. <laughs> and it's so easy to do. Um, so with that, how is it possible that in the same household, with four kids, two kids, six kids, half of them take responsibility, half of them don't. Same parents, same upbringing, same household, same everything, but yet half of them take responsibility, half don't. It's nature over nurture, you're born with it. It's genetic and then with, you know, with what's going on with genetic testing and what they're able to do, there's a gene that's it's called the warrior gene and it talks about you can literally see genetically where people are driven. And so I, I won't go any deeper into it than that, but it's, it's, you cannot learn these things. Now, all that said, I hope to God I am wrong. I truly hope I'm wrong because if I'm wrong, that means that 7.5 billion people on this planet can all become entrepreneurs. Well, <laughs> I don't buy that for a second and hopefully that puts it in perspective. It's 4%. 4% of the population have these six essential traits. But here's the important point, because you and I talked about your audience a little bit. And I, and I understand your audience is made up of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in the making, people that want to be, uh, leaders in the corporate world, some military people, uh, some young leaders. So this message, what I hope is going to resonate with all, because certainly anybody that's thinking about starting their own business someday, please tune in. This is the how-to manual, but we also got to first make sure you have what it takes. Those of you that already took your leap, maybe you're in startup phase, this book is really going to help you do a checkup with where you are. Those that are entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, you're going to read your life story here and it relights up an entrepreneur. With corporate leaders and young leaders in corporations, we can talk a little bit about being an intrapreneur because when you're missing a particular trait, you do make a great intrapreneur in that case. 
Um, and so with that said, there's a little bit of something for everyone in here. But at the end of the day, if you're not one of the 4%, you just get to check the box and go, entrepreneurship is not for me. Now I can look at the other thousand career options because being an entrepreneur is not the only destination in life. We are crazy people. It is a crazy life. It is really freaking hard. And right now the world's being sold that, you know, entrepreneurship is this great new thing and everybody wants to be one. When in the 70s and 80s, everybody wanted to be a rock star. You know, this is the new <laughs> rock star. Yeah. And real quick, if you want to do an assessment, I've done this twice now. Uh, I did it when I think you, this first came out and then I did it again in preparation for this interview. Go to e-leap.com. You can take the assessment. It literally takes 10 minutes. Um, my score was 90. And I think that puts me right on the cusp of maybe the high right. level. That, that, that's the cut line. So my belief is 90 or higher slam dunk. You've got the six essential traits. Anything less you probably don't, but you have to decide. You know, you, the taker of the test, has to decide for yourself. At the end of the day, it's your decision. Uh, my opinion is just a grain of salt. What is your score, Gino? I'm curious. Like 98. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think it was 100 20 years ago. I've softened. By You've softened years. a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's really interesting because in your book too, you talk about how, uh, I think it's at the beginning, you, you say you really want to talk people out of being an entrepreneur if they're not really cut out for it, if it's, if it's not. And so tell us about, in part, I want to get into your story a little bit because it's easy always to see success stories from the back end and you say, oh, wow, they were an overnight success. You know, they had what it takes. But so why why do you think it's important to talk people out of being an entrepreneur if that's not really what they're cut out for. Yeah, for sure. Um, with that, I want to create a little context about the book. Okay, so the book is written in three parts. I call it Confirm, Glimpse, and Path. And so in Confirm, that's where we're confirming if you have the six essential traits and what it takes. Glimpse, I'm showing you the life, all that is possible, all of your options. And then in Path, the meatiest part of the book, that's where I'm then showing you how to build the business that you want to build. Well, the point of all of that is it has to start with confirm because if you don't have the six essential traits, the next two parts are irrelevant. And the point is, and to answer your question, I'm trying to save lives. I'm trying to save people from 10 years of hell and losing fortunes, which I have seen far too many times. So I break hearts for a living and I don't love that, but I'm doing good work and that I'm saving these poor people's lives from 10 years of hell. And I've already touched on some of it where I said it's only 4%. And so the whole idea here is not like you failed because you're not one of the 4%, you're one of the 96%. It's, again, checking that box and going, okay, that's not the career option for me. I can go do one of another thousand things. And then the last point is I teach something called the entrepreneurial range in the book. And very quickly, if you picture a visual of an arc, far right side is true entrepreneurs, far left side are self-employed people. And so anybody that owns their own business is somewhere on the entrepreneurial range. The people that redline the range to the right, these are the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. Walt Disney, Henry Ford, Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, Sarah Blakely. On the far left side of that range, self-employed people, these are one-person shows, freelancers, some of the side hustle, some of the lifestyle business. Anywhere on that range is admirable and you own your own business. What we're talking about with these six essential traits are true entrepreneurs on the right side of the range. So it's not a death sentence. If you have handy skills, 
You can go out and become a handyman or a handywoman, charge 60 bucks an hour, make six figures, be completely free and self-employed, and that ain't all bad. And so you can still be on that range. It's just highly unlikely that you're going to build an organization with lots of people, and that's okay. And so that's what we're talking about is the right side of the entrepreneurial range. So if I'm a leader listening and I go and take the assessment, I score 90 or above and I'm in a, a corporation or maybe you're, maybe you're in the military, um, you know, in, which is a huge bureaucracy, obviously, are, are people like that who are scoring high and who are seem to have these, these six essential traits, are they going to kind of feel this itch until they go and scratch it? That is my belief. I don't know how you can't because also if you truly have these six essential traits and you score 90 or higher, you're unemployable. Okay. I mean, you cannot function in a structured, normal work environment. It's like I think about if I had to be a bookkeeper, I'm not knocking bookkeeping, but to sit there and do that same work every day, you know, in a cubicle, in an office, nine to, I would blow my brains out because I'm incapable of doing that kind of work. Again, not knocking it, but again, an entrepreneur is crazy. We are crazy people. Most of us have ADHD, OCD, <laughs> dyslexia. We are a mess. And so we just can't function in a normal environment. And so we have to go be free and create our own environments. So that's the best answer I have for you there. What was that like for you? In the book, you talk a little bit about just maybe college age or high school age, feeling a little maybe a little confused and I don't want to put words in your mouth or, or describe that incorrectly, but you know, Hey, um, there's, there's a path and it's a more traditional path that a lot of us are, are pointed towards. Yeah. What was that like for you? How did you kind of wrestle with this entrepreneurial spirit inside of you and maybe the, the, the path that you could choose? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I would suggest I was a bit lucky because, um, you know, it was not good for me whenever I was involved in something that required structure, okay? And so when I got into high school, I went to a high school that was not run well, and so I was rarely there. It was heaven. Um, and, and I graduated with a solid 2.3 GPA, barely graduated. The counselor sat down with me and said, you're not going to graduate. I said, oh, yes, I am. I knew how to just eke over the line to graduate. I couldn't wait to get the hell out of academia. I did not go to college because I knew that environment uh, was not for me. And then what I did is, so I went to work. I wanted to make money. My friends went off to college. I went to work. Um, I went to work in a machine shop, which was structured. But ironically, here's where I got lucky, is I got lucky in that I was given freedom. I, I did something that was very unusual. I ran 16 gear hoppers, a uh, bunch of different machines. It was There was so much variety and so much freedom. And they I was so good at what I did, they just let me be free. So that helped. And then my parents... My, my dad being an entrepreneur, uh, my mom being very supportive of, of entrepreneurialism, my parents, our parents gave us so much freedom, too much freedom. I mean, literally, we left the house in the morning, maybe came back at night. So we got a lot of freedom. And so if I was in a household with a lot of structure, um, I would have revolted. It would have not been pretty. And then from there, after the machine shop, saved up a bunch of money, took my entrepreneurial leap. From there, I was creating my own world, my own career, my own jobs. And so I just been lucky that no one tried to rein me in because that would not have gone well. 
And when did you create EOS? When, when did that, when is that part of your story? When did that begin? Yep. So when I had the aha at 29, realized what I was, and then also realized kind of my calling and my purpose, which is helping entrepreneurs get everything they want from their businesses. I, I, I saw the pain in the entrepreneurial world and I really felt I could save it. Um, we then, I, I was actually going to leave the company, uh, worked out that deal with my dad and our third partner. We each owned a third of the business. Once we worked that out, we got lucky. Ironically, someone called and made us an offer to buy the business. We successfully sold the business. I stayed on for a year and a half to transition a new leadership team um, out of Virginia. I got out of a three-year contract in a year and a half because every single day after closing, I called the guy that I reported to and said, I'm ready to go. I did everything. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. So a year and eight months early, they flew in and said, we're letting you go. So I just every day made them crazy until they got rid of me. Um, so so after all of that, it was around 31 years old. I, when I sold the business, retired from the business, I took a nine-month sabbatical, did a lot of soul searching. And, and so in my early 30s is when I then created EOS. And so what happened there is I went out and found client after client after client after client over a five-year period, 50 clients, 500 sessions, put the finishing touches on what is EOS, then wrote Traction, then found my partner, Don Tinney, and then we joined forces to build a team of implementers uh, over the next 15 years then. So how long would you say it took before EOS seemed like a success to outsiders? Yeah. Um, and there's an old saying that says it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. So it was yeah. about 20 years. Um, wow. so, you know, and I'm also a fanatic, you know, it's like five years, 500 sessions, 50 clients. It was probably pretty good and clear two to three years in, but I'm so obsessive. I want it to be perfect. I want it to be proven over and over and over. So I could have probably written that book sooner, but I didn't want to. And then just like this, you know, as we built the team of implementers, when we had 100 implementers, 200 implementers, um, you know, we started to achieve recognition, but it's it's never been about that for me. And so I want to see something replicated tens of thousands of times over. So, you know, sitting here today, there's now 140,000 companies using the EOS tools. There are 450 EOS implementers all over the world. You know, and so I feel like mm, I sold four years ago. So somewhere in the last three to five years, but at the same time, that organization has achieved 10% of its potential. So there's like 90%, you know, they're going to 10x that company again. And uh, so, the, I mean, there's just so much opportunity. So it's it's hard to answer that because um, it's never done for me. It's all a journey. You know, I created EOS to last 100 years. I created this Entrepreneur Leap content to last 100 years. Uh, I want to impact millions of people. So the, my, my work is not done. I had to sell and delegate off a company so that I could focus on other things I wanted to create while still owning that, you know, owning the books and still making a big impact there. So the vision for EOS, was that clear when you were leaving the the, sh the original job you had and leaving the shop? I'm just trying to, because I think people hear vision and you've, you've, you've wrote on this a lot. You've talked about this a lot. You've coached a lot of entrepreneurs. So Vision can mean a lot of different things to different people. I'm just curious, in your experience, was that a was that a very clear vision, or did it did it just kind of evolve over time, or, or maybe something else? Like, what? How did you see 
early on the vision of EOS? Yeah. So it started, uh, kind of give you three levers on this one. So it started, again, with a passion and a calling and a clarity. And the clarity was two things. I saw that there were millions of entrepreneurs in this world um, who were suffering. So in EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization, as a member, and, and sitting with my 12, the 12 of us in a forum is about a year in where I'm like, wow, these guys are as screwed up as I am. And so I saw nothing but opportunity. Number two, I realized what my gifts are, what my DNA is, how I'm able to help these people. It's just a gift that I had. And that's what I did for my dad as I helped my visionary entrepreneurial father save his company. And so armed with knowing the need in the world and knowing what my gifts were, um, and so there's an Aristotle quote, I won't get it perfectly right, but you know, where your needs, where the needs of the world and your skills collide lies your calling. And so that's what happened. And so the first part of the vision was I knew the target market and I knew the value, the service, the product, if you will, per se is very unclear in terms of exactly how I was going to do it, but I just knew I could do it. Point one. Point two, as I set out and started to work with these entrepreneurs and create this, it was probably year two or three when I was crystal clear and I had set a goal. And so that would be like 2003. I set a goal that in 2020, we will take 10,000 companies through the EOS process. Okay. And so 10,000 companies. And at the time, there were about 30. <laughs> so <laughs> I had no idea how I was going to do it, but I was going to do it. And so that's when... I then started to write traction, you know, as, in, as I worked toward, you know, a couple year or two more, I wanted to prove EOS, started writing traction, then found Don Tenney, my partner. He and I co-founded EOS Worldwide, started building a team of implementers. And there's a funny story about two to three years into building a team of implementers, which again, to help your audience do the math, this is about seven years into me taking the leap and doing this. Um, one of the implementers, you know, when I said the goal is 10,000 companies running on EOS by 2020, they said, how many do we have now? And it was like 57 or something like that. <laughs> yes, and they just laughed their ass off. But but they talk about that story today. Looking back, mm. I there, it was non-negotiable. We are going to take 10,000 companies through the process. Now, that's companies that have gone through the process with us. There's a 10x factor. So then there's 10 times more that are actually using the tools, downloading from the website, reading the book. So Traction has sold 1.1 million copies now. So it's, we're hit, wow. we're impacting a lot more companies, but this was taking them through the process. So last little point, because we're talking about vision. So that was a non-negotiable clear plan. And then the third thing was um, when joining forces with Don year five and deciding to do this, you know, the tool I created called, is called the Vision Traction Organizer, VTO. That tool is very powerful for helping an entrepreneur get their vision out of, the, out of their brain on paper. And so there was a very clear VTO. Quite frankly, the VTO was pretty clear around year two or three for me. But when Don and I joined forces, we tweaked a few things and put the finishing touches. But the vision was vividly clear by year three and then tweaked a little year five. And then the last thing I'll share in all of this is... So I set that goal in 2003 to be achieved by the end of 2020. And, and we literally hit the 10,000th client in November 
2020, one and a half months before the end of the deadline. And that was a 17-year goal that I set. So it's a fun story. But it's just the power of, you know, again, so it's all in this book. In other words, if you are about to start a business and you want to know how to do it, avoid half the mistakes, increase your odds of success, it's all in there. What I did, but not only what I did, it's what I have helped thousands and thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs do. There's no theory here. It's all real world stuff. So practically speaking, I know that VTO exists now, but back then uh, the VTO didn't exist because you created it. So what, like... Did you sit down and write it out on a whiteboard, like this vision? Because I'm, I'm curious, because it's one thing to have a vision in your head. It's a lot different to have it on paper or in some, you know, take the time to actually crystallize it. In fact, last Sunday, I sat down early in the morning and just started kind of trying to picture what my life might look like in five years. And I was amazed at just how, in, how hopeful I left that, that, that moment by myself, because I was like, oh my goodness. If I do X, Y, and Z in five years, my life could look like this. So it's it's inspiring. It gives you gives you hope. Um, but I'm just curious, what did that look like for you? Well before the you know the vision traction organizer even yeah. existed. Yeah, yeah, that's really good because now for your audience sake, I want to create two contexts, okay? Because it's really important as we're talking about this content that I anchor them in the right place. And so, yeah. entrepreneurial leap. You know, is what we'll talk about mostly on this podcast. But that's for anyone who thinks they're an entrepreneur and wants to take a leap. Then there's EOS and traction, that content mm -hmm. I created. And that's for a, an entrepreneur of a 10 to 250 person company. Okay. And so that's for a company that survived startup and now they really want to grow, run it like a Swiss watch. And so the reason I start there is the vision tool for a 10 to 250 person company is the vision traction organizer that I just mm. mentioned. Gotcha. The vision tool for an entrepreneur in the making that has an idea that they want to take to the world like I did in what we're talking about in year you know, zero to two is something called My Vision Clarifier. That is also free and downloadable on the website e-leap.com. And what that is doing is it's getting some very critical aspects of a vision out of a startup entrepreneur's brain. And it's what I shared with you. And so it's determining what your passion is. And so again, I realized my passion is helping entrepreneurs get everything they want out of their business. And then the second one, the second aspect of that is you defining what your customers' needs are and then number three, exactly who they are. And so those are the first three aspects of my vision clarifier and you as a startup entrepreneur. So I had clarity around those three things. The fourth is your pricing model is literally knowing the pricing model you're going to market with because most startups absolutely screw that up. And so I talk about that in the book, how to solve that. Most entrepreneurs don't charge enough. It's what puts them out of business. And so, you know, how to charge right. And then from there, then it gets really tangible. What is the 10-year goal? I obviously shared mine. It was a 17-year goal. What is the three-year plan? What is the one-year plan? And then what is the plan for the next 90 days? And so those are the things that I was clear on in those that first, you know, zero to two years um, and then as the organization started to mature more and when I joined forces with Don, you know, then it, that we use the VTO and live from the VTO going forward. How do you deal? So you've got, let's say you got a vision, you, you've, you've taken the time to go through the, you know, my vision clarifier, put that together, but then you have these other people in your life. Maybe it's 
maybe it's your mom, your dad, well, mom's always going to be supportive, but like, you know, maybe it's, it's your friend or your brother, or whoever it is. Like, how do you deal with the people that can't see the vision? They know you, but they can't see the vision. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. You're, you're, I love how on this one, it's like, you're literally handing me something I'm teaching right from the book. And so I, again, I want to keep anchoring with the content and, you know, and so now we're in the entrepreneurial leap content. Remember there are three parts to the book, confirm, glimpse, path. And, and so now we're going to move off, confirm and go into some glimpse and path stuff. And so there's two things I share in the book and I just want to get the right number for, which one this is. So just hold, hang in there for me. Okay. And so in the path part of the book, there's a chapter I teach called eight disciplines for increasing your odds of success. And number seven is take criticism and doubt from others with a grain of salt. And I'll I'll come back to that in just a second. In the glimpse part of the book, I teach the eight critical mistakes that a, a startup entrepreneur makes, and that's how they end up living in hell. And it is, um, it's about getting feedback uh, from customers and clients. And so we're going to put those two things together because as a great startup entrepreneur, you have got to get feedback from people, but you have to take it all with a grain of salt. You've got to get feedback from your customers and clients, meaning get them to pay you for your product. That's the ultimate feedback, but you got to make sure you're getting feedback so you can keep making sure you're in providing them incredible value. Feedback from others, friends, family, all that kind of stuff. Family, friends, they give the most terrible advice and, and, <laughs> and they care about us and they're afraid for us and they're scared for us. And, and sadly, a lot of it is backhanded because they don't want you to do this. But for whatever the reason is, There's some good advice in there and you need to, with a grain of salt, glean the good advice. And then one last point, I'll hopefully tie this whole question together. I always like to say, if you read a hundred business books and you apply everything in all hundred business books, you will be out of business in a month. So the point is there's a ton of great information out there. Your family and friends are giving you lots of feedback. You're selling stuff to your customers and clients and getting their feedback. If you do all of it, you'll be out of business. And so you've got to glean from your vision, your core values, where you're going, what works best for your vision. And um, I'm just going to pause for a second uh, because there's one more thing I want to share. And I think I'm going to bite my tongue and just make sure I've answered your question. So let's, let's come back to you. Does that genuinely answer what you were looking for there? Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm curious for some specifics from your journey. What were some pieces of advice that had you taken it probably would not have helped you? Uh, and then maybe what was some good advice that you got that, that you did filter through that lens in your journey that you're glad you took? Let's start with the bad because there's three things that come up there. Number one is um, clients telling me that I could never pull this off. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> leveraging this, building a team of implementers because they said nobody could ever do what you do. Okay. And so that was terrible advice. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, terrible advice was 31 publishers turning down traction saying that the book will never sell. So again, oh, if I would have wow. let that get into my psyche, that would have destroyed me. 31 the publishers. One, wow. The, the 31, 31, you got me. I'm, I'm 
<laughs> the, the, the third one is a story of an entrepreneur from the 50s who I cannot disclose who it is because I'm trying to find the source of where I learned this. But this entrepreneur assembled a board of what he called 10 highly intelligent people. And, he had these, and they were highly intelligent people. And he would bring them together at intervals to share his ideas with them. And his process was when he would bounce the ideas off of them, when eight out of 10 hated it, he knew it was a good idea. And when 10 out of 10 hated it, he knew it was revolutionary. So the point is, people are going to give you lots of advice, and most of it is bad. You got to take it with a grain of salt. So those are three examples. Good advice? I, I mean, oh, my God, I've gotten a ton of good advice. You know, and like when you ask about my dad, I, I wish I could rattle off the 50 things he taught me. You know, and so when I look back, it's, it's him that taught me the power of setting a long-range goal. It was him that taught me the power of core values because he was so masterful with those two things and how he built his business. And, you know, so I certainly use those things. Um, I mean, literally, I could give you a thousand pieces of great advice, but but there, but there's two right there. But how, how do you filter that, Gino? How, how, it, when you were getting those pieces of advice, you obviously were applying a filter to it because you didn't yeah. follow some of it and then yeah. some of it you did. Yeah, you, you've got to... At the end of the day, the simplest answer I can give you is trust your gut. Trust mm. your gut. Because there isn't a perfect example, but watch this. Let's pretend you have total clarity around your core values and the culture you want to build, your 10-year goal, in other words, where you want to land, the, the ideal customer, the ideal service or product you want to provide them and a good idea of kind of the three-year, one-year plan. And let's just pretend you have absolute clarity around those things. Now let's hit you with a hundred pieces of advice. It is going to be very clear what is good advice and bad advice. Mm -hmm. And let's just pretend hypothetically you want to build a $5 million heating and cooling company with 40 people that throws off a 20% profit. And somebody says to you, hey, you know what? You're in 20 houses a week. Do you realize that you could take care of their plumbing as well while you're in there? I mean, you're standing right there and they have a plumbing problem. Get into plumbing. Well, I'm here to tell you for 98% of HVAC companies, that's a really stupid idea, okay? Because while that seems obvious, now all of a sudden you have to learn a complete different expertise. You have to recruit a different type of person. In other words, it's, it's changing your business model. It works well for some, not for most. And I, so I could go through 100 other examples, but the point is when your vision is clear, Run all those ideas through your vision. But at the end of the day, some of it is so intoxicating, you just got to sit and listen to your gut. And so what I teach is to always sit in silence at intervals and just let your soul catch up, get clear. The answers will be clear, but listen to your gut at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that highlights too just the importance of clarity up front. Um, I, so I want to ask you about failure and just kind of that mindset as you were going through your journey. Um are there any big failures that really stand out? What are the top one or two failures that you had on that entrepreneurial journey? Um, and then I just want to kind of get into your mind. What? How do you deal with it? How did you kind of recover from those moments of setbacks? You're clear on the vision, but man, 
it's still, I'm sure, hard to deal with those moments where ugh, maybe you start to doubt yourself. Maybe you start oh, to doubt sure. the vision you had in the, in the beginning. For sure. So I'll say a few things to that. In the path part of the book, I write an entire chapter on discovering your passion. And I do that because you have to know your passion, your purpose, why you're doing this, your why, because it is the only thing that gets you back up when you get knocked on your ass. So I could give all the techniques in the world for recovering from adversity, but if you don't know your passion and why you're doing this, no technique is going to save you. And so every time I got knocked on my ass, I knew these entrepreneurs need my help and I'm gonna help them. And I know that I'm genetically encoded to help them. So when I got knocked on my ass, I, that would get me back up because I'm so obsessed about helping them. Point one and the most important point. Point two is I'll be very generic and then I'll give you two examples. And so the generic is, I mean, I've gotten my ass kicked. I've been doing this for 35 years. I've gotten my ass kicked. <laughs> 500 times, okay? And so every time I get my ass kicked, you know, my process is, you know, it's a punch in the gut, takes the wind out of your sails. For lack of a better way of saying it, a visual illustration, I curl up in a ball in a terry cloth robe and cry my eyes out and suck my thumb. I don't literally do that, but I give myself permission to just wallow in Frickin' depression. I mean, literally, mm. and I, but but I also only allow it to happen so long. And and what's powerful about it is if you will just sit in it, mm. you'll process it faster and get through it. What most do is they pretend like it's not happening, and they pretend like they don't feel like shit, and they pretend like they're not depressed. You know, which is another classic trait of an entrepreneur are the highs and the lows. There's an amazing book called Hypomanic Edge, which explains that. And so we go through highs and lows. So you just sit in it, experience it. And then the two that come to mind, you know, one is um, my goal was to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. I achieved it by 31. And then I lost everything and was $200,000 in debt by 33. That hurt. Learned a lot there. <laughs> and that was while I was building EOS Worldwide. So that was brutal. Um, and then the second one was when the EOS worldwide model wasn't working. And so Don and I were killing ourselves for a year and a half. We did not make one penny. The business did not generate one penny of profit in the first year and a half. And so it wasn't working. And, uh, and, and we were on the verge of just killing the whole model and just being implementers. But I went, I sat in a Starbucks licked my wounds, looked at a bunch of different data points, read two amazing books that had an impact on this decision. But after a day of sitting in that Starbucks, I had my light bulb moment on how to completely change the model. Jumped in the car, jumped in the car, called Don, said, Don, I'm about to turn our business model on its ear. And then I proposed the new model. He said, I love it. And we stood in front of about 20 implementers and rocked their world and uh, change the business model. And that's when the whole thing took off. Well, thanks for sharing that, Gino, because it, it, it's really refreshing to hear from someone like you who objectively has been ec extremely successful. Um, talk about that. So thanks for, for sharing that. Not only is that, are there specific examples, but also that there's a lot of examples. Um, I want to ask you about self-discovery and that, and that's kind of what obviously the beginning of the book talks about, uh, self-discovery, figuring out, are, are you an entrepreneur? Are you not? Are you, do you have these six, these six, these six essential traits? 
Um, and I've, I've listened to a few of your interviews and, I, and I've you know explored your work. And it seems like over the course of your life, you've done some really key things to just learn about yourself. Uh, and we definitely have some younger people in the audience. Uh, and I think I've even heard you say, you know, it's, it's good to start that early. Um, so I'm just curious, kind of on a practical level, what are some things that you've done to, to really help in that self-discovery journey? Yeah. Um, well, it's a very passionate topic of mine. And as I'm answering, I, I, there's this thought that can't, it's not leaving me on our previous conversation about getting your ass kicked. You know what I would advise anyone out there that thinks they're an entrepreneur or wants to be one is go out and get rejected a hundred times. You, you need a hundred people to say no to your face. You know, um, some people are just a little too soft. So, you know, when you, so I appreciate you appreciating me sharing those stories but I am battle hardened, man. I have gotten my ass kicked so many times. I've been told no so many times. So try to sell somebody something, present an idea, propose something and hear them tell you no and literally reject you a hundred times. And, and, and then you're just starting to be able to handle tough stuff for what that thought is worth. So back to your question, um, I write an entire chapter called Know Thyself in this book, but what I'd love to do is now like, let's expand it to everybody in your audience, entrepreneur in the making, entrepreneur or not. My impassioned plea to the world is to know thyself so you can be yourself. Okay, and so I'm going to go off the reservation a little bit, but it's an important going off the reservation. And that is, you know, I launched a new product called 10 Disciplines for Managing and Maximizing Your Energy. And certainly that's not at all what we're talking about here. But what this is, is two years ago, I uh, decided to get very vulnerable and share with an audience. I, I needed a new talk for this particular audience. And I shared 10 disciplines that I've lived by for almost 25 years that, that manage and maximize my energy because people are always asking, where do you get all the energy? It's these 10 things. Um, so if you're curious about that, the10disciplines.com is where you'll find it. It's the number 10, one zero. And then as we're talking about all this, if you want to know all the things I'm up to, genowickman.com is where you find everything I'm up to. There's five pieces of content I put out to the world. That's where you'll find everything. But I, I needed to create some context because one of those 10 disciplines, and my favorite is called Know Thyself. And, and two important things there. Number one, like I said, you have to know thyself so you can be yourself. And, and so what I say is let your freak flag fly. And so if you could begin now, if you're 13, 18, 28, 38, 58, begin now and commit to fully knowing thyself, all of your strengths and weaknesses. We are all screwed up. And, and so we have some great things about us and we have some not so great things about us. And it's time to just start realizing them and embracing them and laughing at all of your quirks. And so that's what I mean by let your freak flag fly. And, and so the idea is that you then know thyself so you can fully be yourself in the world and stop pretending. And so the way you do that is there are a thousand ways. It is as simple as doing profiling tools so you understand all your personality traits and your MO and how you operate. It's getting therapy. I've yet to meet one person that doesn't need seven years of therapy. I did mine in my 20s. And, and the way I describe that journey, whatever you choose, is it's 
It's just getting closer to your soul. It's just listening to what your soul wants for you. And we've somehow built these Teflon walls around us. And we've got like a thousand layers of shit that we've just tried to protect ourselves in the world. And you're going to realize there's nothing to protect. And so it's just shedding one layer at a time as fast as you can. And so sometimes it takes you a year just to shed the first layer. I would like to caution you that each layer you shed, there will be tears. <laughs> and, and so it's all about shedding the layers, getting you back to your soul and fully living from your soul. And so one of those 10 disciplines that we teach in these 10 disciplines is know thyself so you can be yourself. And then the story, the second part that I'd like to share is I had my aha at 30. And what happened is I was at a, at a surprise birthday party that my wife threw for me. And so I walk into the house hundred sets of eyeballs yell surprise. And I look around the room and there were six factions of my life in that room. And so there were my employees, there were my high school friends, there were my new friends, there were my entrepreneur friends, there was my wife's family, and there was my family. And I looked around the room and I said, holy cow, who am I going to be today? Because I was different for every faction. I was a different me for every faction. And I'm thinking about how exhausting is that, that I'm pretending for everyone. And it's like, who is the real me here? And so that's what started the journey for me on, man. So think about energy. If you, if, if you out there are doing that, you are burning so much energy and you're twisting yourself in a knot. Just figure out who you are. Be you and let the cards fall where they may, man. It's life is too short. Let your freak flag fly. I love that. What What are some of the biggest, like thinking about where you are today, looking back at 20-year-old Gino, what are some of the biggest uh, things you've learned about yourself? Hmm. Well, that's probably one of the biggest is, uh, you know, just learning about shedding the layers, learning about vulnerability, learning the... Teflon shell I had created myself mm, around yeah. myself. Yeah, that's good. That that was a that was a big one. Um, a lot of insecurity back then. So just being aware of that and working on what is the root of that. Um, and then, like I've already shared, the, a lot of it we've talked about here. But you know, realizing that I was an entrepreneur in the making. Um, if only I had known that at 20 and I just mm. didn't, I was so scared. I was so lost. I was so confused. I'm working in this machine shop thinking, you know, what am I a loser? What am I not loser working in a machine shop, loser feeling lost. I just yeah. did not know what the hell I was, what I was supposed to do. I was just trying to figure it out. And man, if I had this content at 18 and, and the content just simply said, hey, you're an entrepreneur in the making, all of a sudden, I probably still would have worked at the machine shop. But I would have worked at the machine shop knowing that I was working towards something. I'm saving up this money for a reason. And so that's my hopes are for all the people. I'm trying to find the 4% in the world that was what I was. So you know what you are. And you may take 15 years to take your leap. But at least you know what you are and you're working toward that. Oh, there's so much peace and freedom in that. So hopefully that answers your question. No, and I love it. And I, I love that you're you're taking your own journey and helping other people. Because I think, you know, here in this conversation, you're helping two groups as well. You're helping the entrepreneurs out there, that the, the natural God-given entrepreneurs, help them find their path. And maybe, you know, if they're in a path that's not working, help them better understand themselves. And you're saving those that aren't entrepreneurs, as, as we've defined it, 
a lot of heartache maybe because, yeah. hey, maybe this isn't, maybe this is not the journey. Maybe you can be an entrepreneur, a lot of value you can add elsewhere. Um, and I love to, and you talk about it in, in your other work about just this idea of a, a visionary and an integrator and just how both have some really God-given abilities that help each other and both need each other, yeah. uh, which I think is cool as we kind of discover ourselves and others. Yeah, yeah, and I'm so glad you said that because there's two things I really want to make sure I say. The one I said I was going to say, and I would have forgotten if you didn't say that, but let's talk about entrepreneurs really quick for your leaders out there that are in the corporate world. The six essential traits. Rule of thumb, when you're missing the risk taker trait, you make a great entrepreneur in the corporate world because you've got all the other traits and that's what an entrepreneur is. An entrepreneur are the other five. Number two, if you score low, less than 90 on the entrepreneur and the making assessment, you're not an entrepreneur. And, and I call that a visionary. So a true entrepreneur, I, I call it a visionary. And, and so you just said it. Every visionary needs an integrator. An integrator is the person that counterbalances the visionary. The integrator scores lower than 90. But there are so many integrators out there in the world that don't know what they are. And so my book, Rocket Fuel with Mark Winters, teaches this concept. And for those of you out there that just you want to be in this entrepreneurial world, it's very exciting and appealing to you. Go find a visionary, become their integrator, because while there's 4% visionaries, only 1% of the world are integrators. And it is in high demand. And I created that concept now 24 years ago, and it is fully taken off now. There are recruiters out there recruiting integrators. Uh, it is a thing. There are integrator organizations. It is officially a thing. And so when Mark and I talk about our passion there, we're trying to pull all the integrators out of the cracks and crevices of the world because they don't realize this incredible value. And a lot of them are in the corporate world. And, and there's a their perfect visionary match waiting for them. So I'm really glad you mentioned that because I, I know we've got a good number of integrators on this podcast that are just waiting for their opportunity of a lifetime. Well, Gina, this has been an absolute joy. I've been a big fan of your work for a long time. I want to encourage people to go check out e-leap.com. And, and do the assessment and send me the results. Let me know what you score. I'd, I'd love to know your score. I'd love to you know, share with Gino what you score. Go get the book, Entrepreneurial Leap. It's a wonderful read. Um, and Gino, I just, it, it's so nice to sit down with someone. And I appreciate your vulnerability. It's also just nice to sit down with someone who, who really knows themselves and is very kind of secure in who they are and what they've been through. And, and you're really adding a lot of value to to all of us uh, out there. So I want to give you the last word if there's anything else you want people to know before we sign off. But uh, just thank you so much, Gino, for this uh, this great session. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I you know, I think we've said it all. I, I would just say a couple things just to put a tidy bow on everything and then maybe one new thing. Number one, again, to see everything that I'm doing and all five pieces of content I put out to the world, go to genowickman.com. That's kind of the epicenter of everything I'm doing. Um, again, Entrepreneurial Leap is the book for an entrepreneur in the making. That's e-leap.com uh, for that content. But the last thing I would share that's different we haven't talked about is on e-leap.com with Entrepreneurial Leap. It is a passion project for me and we are on a mission to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making by 2030. And one of the ways we're doing that is with collaborators. And so we have 128 collaborators 
that have joined forces with us. What I do is I give you my content for free. You're free to teach it to the world. No contracts, no money. You can charge for it. And so if there's anyone out there that loves teaching, helping, guiding, coaching, mentoring entrepreneurs in the making, this content is for you and it's freely yours. And so just click on the Become a Collaborator button uh, on the website and, and join forces with us. I love that. All right, Gina. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. It's been a joy. Pleasure, Cal. You're a good man. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this interview, please share it with someone. Share it with a friend. Share it with someone else in your network. Maybe there's an entrepreneur in your network that could really benefit from this conversation with Gino. Go to e-leap.com and go and take that entrepreneurial assessment. Figure out if you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur and send me your score. I would love to hear from you. Just send me an email at cal at calwalters.me. Again, a big thanks to Ryan Hawk for making this connection. And thank you to all of you for tuning in today. I hope you go and make the most of this week. I hope you go and impact the people around you. Go and do some of that self-discovery that Gino talked about. I loved his, his willingness to share with us the value of doing that self-discovery early, helping to get to know yourself so that you can impact others in a more deliberate way. I hope you go and make a difference in the people in your network, in your sphere of influence. It matters. Remember that life is short. Let's go make it count.